Hi everyone and welcome to the Combat Sports Clinic podcast. This is the place to come if you're looking for conversation around all aspects of combat sports and martial arts, be that competition, training, clinical coaching, rehab, you name it, we will probably cover it at some point. Okay, in this episode, Rosie is talking to Mike Grice and Mike's a qualified osteopath with a particular interest in working with sports injuries. He also lectures and consults with organisations like the Oxford School of Sports Massage, Premier League Football Clubs, Rock Tape and the IOC World Conference for Injury Prevention. And you can discover more about Mike and Movement Therapy Clinic, which is his business, at mtclinics.com. That's mtclinics.com. Okay, so Rosie and Mike are going to talk about navigating the sports injury minefield. Now, Rosie does a great job of explaining this at the top of the podcast, so I'm going to get out of the way and let them get on with it. So enjoy. Um, hi, Mike. Hi, Rosie. Um, uh, so really good to have you in today to do a podcast with you. Um, I think the reason I've, I've invited you in, uh, obviously, because I like you, but you. also <laughs> <laughs> you're an osteopath is very much after my own heart. You know, we, we, we've got similar views on a lot of topics. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be great to get you in to talk about a, a few things that may be of particular relevance to people involved in combat sports. Sure. Um, you work with quite a few sports people, don't you? Yep, do um, indeed, yep. Yeah, uh, um, across the board as well. So um, amateur, um, professional, um, all different kinds of sports as well. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And um, I think one of the things that I really wanted to talk about today is if somebody's involved in combat sports and they've got an injury, who should they go and see? What should they be doing about it? Mm-hmm. Because I know there's a lot of different information out there. So if you go online and you start trying to find information about what's the best treatment for this or what's the best thing to do if you've got, you know, a knee injury or a back injury or whatever it is, yeah. um, and you'll find all kinds of information on there, it's a bit of a minefield. Mm-hmm. So how are people... How should people try and navigate this minefield and how to make sense of what's out there? Yeah. So I think that's sort of the, the overall topic that I want to talk about. Okay. And I know you've got some, some interesting thoughts about this. So let's start with, um, for a layperson who might not know anything about physical therapy or mm-hmm. you know, the different professions, if you've got a back injury, yeah. who's the best person to go and see? <laughs> um, it's... It all depends on who the person is, um, and that is the uh, in in terms of the patient and the practitioner. <laughs> so um, yeah, like you said, we use the example of combat sports people. If you are um, somebody who's involved in that sport, uh, then you it would be way more beneficial for you to see someone who has. A, uh, a background in that kind of sport so they understand the uh, the demands of, of <laughs> that um, particular discipline and because um, we're also within sport there's lots of different nuances so you have um, uh, certain movements certain styles that are more applicable to one sport um, even in a say you're playing a team sport then different positions on the pitch will have different demands mm-hmm. so they need to have a really good understanding of uh, of all those demands um, uh, I think a number of people come to see me because um, we, uh, because of our experience, but um, because of my experience, but the the fact that they've been to someone else, um, and it could have been a physio or an osteo or, or whoever, um, but they um, when they've when they've been t- uh, talking about their sport, that person's advice to them is to stop. 
and um, yeah. and that's the last that's the yes. last thing that yeah. they're going to do. Absolutely. I think this is something that a lot of combat sports people, in particular, experience. If they see a doctor or something, and as soon as they start trying to explain what they're doing, they'll get a very negative reaction. Yeah. yeah. And I think immediately that switches people off. Definitely. And I think, I mean, I know that a lot of the people who come and see me, um, and sometimes people who travel quite a long way to see because I have an understanding of that sport and mm -hmm. they know that my first answer isn't going to be stop doing that. Yeah. It's going to be right. How can we get you back to doing what you do? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. I mean, for my sports, even, you know, sports that I don't particularly follow or play, mm -hmm. it's understanding that that's important to the person in front of you. And I think you've got to start from the point of view of, well, if this is some, something that's important to that person's life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. How do we how do we do that? So absolutely, I think from that point of view, that sort of even just on quite a basic level, mm -hmm. having that sort of positive approach towards the sport. Yeah. Um, I always remember there's there's a quote in Bruckner and Kahn. Um, it says I can't remember the exact wording, but it was somebody who doesn't know and understand and love sport shouldn't be treating active people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's yeah. that's absolutely the case. Yeah, I think um, um that those that do give that kind of advice they they probably don't either um they don't have a background in it or don't participate in it themselves yeah so um and that they just don't understand why someone would carry on with something that is potentially mm -hmm. potentially injurious yeah. and uh, they just don't get it and uh, but if you're in it and you're you love sport and you love playing and you you get what that person uh, yes. you know that that's that, that's like them for some reason, um, for some people, it would be reading a book. Yeah. Um, but, but for some people, it would be punching a bag. You know, mm -hmm. that's their release. That's their escape. And mm -hmm. you take that away and, that you know, you've taken away their leisure time yeah. and the things that they really enjoy. So it's uh, it's really, really important to that person. Yeah. And I think understanding that people have a passion for a particular sport as mm -hmm. well. So you yeah. can't just say, oh, well, why don't you go and do Pilates instead? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or because that's not going to, you know, somebody, um, I mean, this is something else that people tell me they've, they've been told, oh, well, why don't you stop running, take up swimming instead? It'll yeah, be better for yeah, you. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not what I do. Yeah, um, so yeah. I think, yeah, that's that's absolutely an important thing. Um, so outside of that, mm -hmm. outside of that, if um, somebody was to say, well, what sort of professional should I be looking for? You know, what's mm -hmm. the, the classic question is, what's the difference between an osteopath, a physiotherapist, a sports therapist? Yeah. How do all these professions work yeah i mean that um, there, there shouldn't really be much much difference um, um but there, there is in the way um in in the way that we're taught mm -hmm. um but uh, everybody's got to have a base kind of um, uh, a base level of competency before they qualify. So uh, we, we all get taught a similar kind of thing with a different um, a different twist on it, depending on the philosophies where, that we've come from. Um, but again, I mean, that's really individual because uh, my background was in um, exercise and fitness. So and then I did sports therapy. And then I did osteopathy. So I've had that exercise background for um, since. Mm -hmm well, 25 years, then um, a, a good sort of 12 years of sports mm -hmm. therapy and then, um, and then you know, sort of eight, 10 years of osteo as well. So it's all been layered for me. And um, sure. But then another osteopath will have had a different pathway. So they will have a completely different set of experiences and a different um, philosophy on things. And, um, and it's really, really individual. Um, you can get some... Um, 
it's funny because you get a physiotherapist that can manipulate. So then mm -hmm. they, th they um, the patients saying they um, may think, oh, that, that person's like an osteo. But um, the joint manipulations don't make an osteopath. It's, yes. it's, um, it's not just that. And it's like chiropractic as well. Um, chiropractic is not just about clicking things. Mm -hmm. um, it, it may be with some of them, um, mm -hmm. but uh, it, again, it depends on their background and they may be more exercise orientated or, um, you know, it depends on what their, their past experiences are. So I, I get this a lot when um, in on social media. Yeah. Um, so someone will post uh, in our Facebook group, uh, which is great, and they'll go see, go see Mike. He's, he managed to help my back or whatever it is uh, mm -hmm. the issue was and if someone's asking for, for help online mm -hmm. and uh, and I'll, I'll always answer I say you know thank you for recommending me that's really good uh, but you have a look at my profile and just make sure that I'm the right person for you I say um, that, that I, I can certainly help I'm sure I can um, but we've got I've got to make sure that you're happy with me and um, and if you want to have a chat before we do anything, then just get, just give me a call. And I'll always yeah. kind of lead with that um, rather than say, uh, oh yes, yes, I can do this, that, and the other, because um, it, it may be out of my remit. So, and, and we all have our patient demographics that we work well with, mm -hmm. don't we? I mean, I think that's this is something that I will always talk to patients about as well. It's, uh, I mean, I know the kinds of people who I treat. A lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tend to see a lot of relatively young, generally quite healthy people who want to stay active. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that's not exclusive by any means. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see sort of the full range of you know lots of different kinds of people. I see elderly people, pregnant ladies, you know, people who've work-related injuries, all of those things. Um, but sort of the, the the most common for me tends to be that sort of group. Of people yeah. and because I see a lot of that you know we all get good at what we do yeah. often I tend to do quite well with mm -hmm. that group of people particularly yeah um, but for other osteopaths they might have a different yeah. group that they like to treat yeah. and different physios and things like that so yeah. every, we've all got our own individual take on things yeah, yeah. as you're saying yeah and I think that's that's an important thing to bear yeah, in mind that, I think um uh, again the, the kind of feedback I get from patients is uh the, some of the treatments that they've had in the past are, are very hands-off. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, and obviously our profession is very hands-on. Uh, that, that's what we get taught from, you know, from day one, mm -hmm. uh, which um, uh, the, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But the, um, you know, the, the evidence base is mixed for, mm -hmm. for that kind of approach. Um, but then, uh, and I think that's why it's been taken away from some professions. Um, but it's so, so beneficial. And it's what actually patients want. Uh, and um, if you give them a little bit of what they want and then we're coupled with a lot of what they need, then we've got a really good, uh, good mix and a good, mm -hmm. a good approach, I think. Uh, and, um, you know, long term, you definitely don't want to be um, just doing um, hands on treatment forever. Um, they have to well, usually have to do something in addition to that. Sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, that that's the feedback I get. And uh, I think it's a shame that some of those, those hands on skills have been lost in some of the other education with the other professions. It's, it's sure. Shame. I think and I mean, this is something that I think people who've maybe seen an NHS physio yeah. or something like that. And I say they, they didn't they didn't really examine the area carefully. They yeah. didn't um, they didn't sort of put their hands on and you yeah. know, feel what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there is a perception that that's the patient 
often comes away sort of feeling that they didn't quite get what they wanted out of that session. Exactly, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And again, they may very well have given them some excellent exercises, some great advice. Yeah. But I think as well people sort of feel like they've not quite got what they came for and because of that yeah maybe they're a little bit less willing to engage with i think that's it other... i think that's exactly it that's yeah it. so it's um, um it's, it's what they expected when they go yes. in and they didn't get it yeah um whether it's got a good evidence base behind it or not that's what they wanted um and uh, maybe we need to do that at the beginning initially um mm-hmm. but then kind of wean them off of yeah. um, that way way of tr- treating as as we go along um i think that's uh, that's really important the the first question we've got on our forms in the clinic is um what what do you want to get out of today mm-hmm. why are you here what, um and they the patient will tell us exactly mm-hmm. what what they want and then we we, we can get a really good impression of where we should take that mm-hmm. appointment and, and their treatment plan um, based on their um, their goals at the beginning. Yes, I, mean, I find that with some of my patients I use a lot of hands-on work mm-hmm. and a little bit of exercise yep. and then with other people it'll be the other way around. Yep. You know, yeah. we'll do a little bit of hands-on but mostly it'll be an exercise-based treatment and part of that will depend on the patient, obviously the patient's goals, yep. what's going on with them. Um, and also, as you say, what they're trying to get out of that session, because I think there there can be different objectives. So when we talk about, you know, what what works, mm-hmm. to some extent, I think that depends on what we mean by yeah, work. Work, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. What are we What are we yeah. trying to achieve here? Yeah, are we yeah. trying to make the person feel better? Yeah. Are we trying to solve the long term problem so that it stops coming back? Yeah. And also, you know what kind of problem are we dealing with yeah yeah so, exactly yeah um, I, I think that that's really because obviously i've been an educator as well so <laughs> teaching um uh undergrad courses in clinical assessments and um they get really hammered on um the clinical assessment skills and their range of movement testing and all that kind of stuff the patient doesn't really care about that <laughs> that, that, that's what we uh, we measure you know we've got these measurable outcomes and mm-hmm. um, whether um, somebody has exactly the same amount of shoulder flexion on one side compared to the other may not be an issue for that patient mm-hmm. they don't really they're not really fast um, mm-hmm. and if we don't listen to exactly what that what is important to that patient yes. we get lost yeah. um, and we go down our kind of um, uh, by ex- extrinsic biomechanical assessments and um, yeah they, it, that's not meaningful to the patient it's, yeah it's what is it stopping them doing in terms of yeah yeah what what activities are important to them yeah, yeah. exactly um, yeah yeah absolutely and, and we know as well that um, pain doesn't correlate very well with tissue damage mm-hmm. so the fact that they you know somebody's been a, for an MRI scan or um, an, uh, an x-ray or whatever it is and and it's shown that there's no no significant injury they're then a bit they're out of the loop then mm-hmm. and they're, they're kind of like well there's nothing wrong with you off you go but there is still pain <laughs> so and that's a whole other Yes, and <laughs> that would be something that I think people get very frustrated with yeah, when people, yeah. someone keeps telling them there's nothing wrong. Yeah. But they're still yeah, it's in like, pain. Why does it hurt? Yeah, then? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, in a way, that's that's where we come in. Yeah, in some yeah, sense. yeah. It's where there, where there isn't something that's maybe a more serious injury or pathology that needs to be dealt with, mm-hmm. um, but the person's still experiencing pain. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the time where we tend to see people yeah. when they've been around everyone else and been bounced backwards and forwards yeah. and end up with the, with somebody like us. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so going back to this, how do you pick a therapist mm -hmm. question? Yeah. Um, so it sounds like there's isn't an easy way to choose between different professions. So mm -hmm. you can't just pick a physiotherapist or an osteopath. And again, some people come in and they say, oh, I've tried this already. I've tried physiotherapy. I've tried osteopathy yeah, yeah. and it's not worked for me. Yeah. So why would, why should I try somebody different? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, is there a way to tell whether when you see somebody or if you're talking to a therapist, mm -hmm. um, whether they're a good therapist or a bad therapist, mm -hmm. basically speaking, what, what, are, what are the, what would you say would be your warning signs perhaps for somebody that you might not want to go and see? Yeah, um, um, I think um, anybody that mentions a number of sessions that they, they're going to have something sorted by. Mm -hmm. um, so buying um, kind of injury packages, um, mm. I think is a, is a bit of a, um, a bit of a flag. Pay for 20 sessions in advance yeah, on your credit card yeah, and we'll give yeah. you a discount. Yeah, um, so how, come, how come it's 20? You know, yeah. it's, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I ne never um, do that kind of thing for, um, uh, yeah, for, unless I've spoken to the person and, um, uh, you know, we can work out a treatment plan for them. Um, and uh, But it, it's got to be a kind of um, see how it goes. You know, mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll try this, then you do your homework. Uh, and it's a colla that collaborative approach where um, I'm, I'm not getting you as a patient to rely on me to sort you out. I'm giving you the tools to help yourself because um, my best patients are those that I don't see. <laughs> really um uh, so yeah. uh and they, because they, they've helped themselves and and that's eventually where i want to get everybody to and people go well you know how do you run a business like that because you got to get people coming back and uh well actually they tell their friends yes and yeah. uh and and that's how we build a good business yeah. is because I mean, this is what i always say to people is i spend my time trying to keep people out of my clinic room as much as possible yeah and people, yeah, and people say, well, how do you run a business like that? And it's like, well, have you seen my clinic diary? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing the uh, same person three yes, times a week. Yeah. I'm, I'm, You're yeah. getting a high turnover exactly. for the right reasons. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think you definitely want a therapist who's got that objective in mind. Is mm -hmm. They want to get you better and out of the clinic basically yeah, yeah, and definitely. able to sort of self-manage as much yeah. as possible yeah. um so the idea is that we're here when somebody needs something and obviously you know as often as somebody wants to see us yeah yeah um but hopefully no more so yeah um, exactly yeah not not um uh kind of aggressively yes. trying to get people back and back and back yeah. again um i mean the the mm -hmm. again because of my exercise background um we do a lot of exercise therapy, mm -hmm. heck of a lot, and yeah. um, and that may need regular coaching. Yes, uh, but that that's a whole different ball game, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, way more ethical <laughs> than uh, you know keeping people coming back uh, for passive treatments. We you know we're getting them through that stage, getting them to the point where they can take part in either a, a single exercise session or a group exercise session where they can use the ideas that we've given them within mm -hmm. the gym and the kind of tips that we've given them to take them into their own training mm -hmm. so that they can they can do it themselves and and again it's it's kind of holding their hand for as long as they need it until they can we can let them go and then and then they're happy if they want to stay with a bit of hand holding in the exercise classes great no, you know yeah. I've no, I've no problem with that um but yeah if they if they just want to come in and 
have uh, a treatment, mm -hmm. you know, all, all the time to kind of fix, in inverted commas, yeah. the, the problem. And I think that's a different mindset. That sort of goes along with another thing that I see, or sometimes my patients come in and tell me that they've experienced with other therapists, mm -hmm. is when the therapist will sort of line people up and they'll say, oh, you've got a bit of a scoliosis there and yeah, your yeah. hips are out and yeah. your legs are different lengths and, yeah, you need to come in for treatments regularly for the rest of your life. Yeah, to, to kind of Otherwise, fix you. To fix you. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is something that people see fairly often. Mm -hmm. um, would you see that as sort of a, a bit of a warning sign yeah, as well? Yeah, de um, definitely. I mean, again, the, the evidence is, um, is, is in the opposite direction. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody's a bit wonky. <laughs> nobody's perfectly straight yeah. nobody's perfectly mm -hmm. symmetrical if you play sport you've got mm -hmm. no chance of being symmetrical mm -hmm. um, and uh, and those sports that do require symmetry um, put that athlete's body through a heck of a lot mm -hmm. uh, so things like uh, like dance um, gymnastics yeah. those kind of aesthetically mm -hmm. you know pleasing sports if you like mm -hmm. where you have to be perfect um, sometimes the the, the intrinsic biomechanics of that person, the way that they're kind of built, doesn't lend itself to that activity so that you can look perfect on the outside. Mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll be compensating somewhere um, for a perfect alignment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, that's an issue. Yeah, I think um, uh, it's, it, I was speaking to someone this morning about, about it actually, and um, they were saying about the, um, you know, oh yeah, we do a postural correction thing and I, mm -hmm. there's it's, yes. it's, but it's so it's so entrenched in people's language that yeah. um it i feel like a minority mm -hmm. um the number of people who come into me and they say oh i've got terrible posture yeah uh, and then okay to unpack what, yeah yeah or, or um yes I, I i saw the whichever other therapist it was um and they said that i've got a scoliosis and yeah. you know i'm and it can come across, it can be really negative, I think. Yeah, yeah. People come yeah. away with this idea that there's something wrong with them and they're never yeah. going to be completely fixed yeah. because yeah. They're, they're somehow imbalanced or they're twisted and they've got all these problems. Yeah. And I think um, that, that lends itself to that reliance again yes, on, the, on the therapist. The therapist. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas actually, like I'm saying, you know, everybody's a bit wonky. And, mm -hmm. um, and most uh, of the time, the, actually, this doesn't matter that yeah, much. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's exactly um, it. And uh, I mean, some of the top athletes in the world, I mean, a, a classic example is Usain Bolt. He mm -hmm. has a scoliosis and yeah. pronated feet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and he's the fastest man on, on, on the planet. Well, was the fastest mm -hmm. man on the planet. So um, does, uh, does biomechanics and posture matter a bit, but not? Yes, yeah. I mean I think people say. again there there are situations, aren't mm. there, where it can be more of a relevant factor. Yeah. Um, but I think in general, just to sort of line people up and say, oh no, you're a bit wonky there. Yeah. We'll need to see you every week for the rest of your life to sort yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's. Well, yeah. the the, cl the classic is the um, you know the joint restrictions and manipulations, yeah. which osteopathy is is known for. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, and the perception that we're clicking things back into place, yes, uh, which is just not true. Mm -hmm. um, but then that's perpetuated as well by um, chiropractics or to, uh, um, some chiropractics mm -hmm. um, doing um, imaging. Um, yeah. And then uh, doing their treatment based on X-ray and imaging and perfect mm -hmm. alignment. And yeah. again, it's it's just yeah. feeding into that 
Um, this, is, this is the thing as well, when people confuse a treatment with the, the mechanism. Yeah. And they kind of say, yeah. well, I felt better afterwards, so that proves that that must be, it yeah. must have been out of place, because otherwise, why would I feel better afterwards? Yeah, yeah. And I think this sort of, um, you know, a whole other can of worms, really. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is, well, just because a treatment works, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that was for the reasons that you were exactly. necessarily given. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, going back to when I was taught sports therapy, we were taught yeah. a technique called soft tissue release, yeah. where mm -hmm. we were taught that it was um, stretching the fascia. Mm -hmm. And um, we now know that it, um, to deform fascia by just 1% takes something like 500 kilos of force. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it, it, it's an immense amount of um, force that that mm -hmm. tissue can, uh, can take. And by you foam rolling it or by you putting your mm -hmm. elbow on it and, and trying to rub it, um, it's not going to deform that tissue. And um, it's, it, it's just implausible if you think mm -hmm. about the explanation. And I didn't think about it when I very yeah. first got taught. Mm -hmm. It was something that I kind of developed uh, mm -hmm. over time. And then other people started questioning me. And, uh, and then I was like, oh, actually, you think about yeah. it, of course that's true. Yeah. You know, it's, um, of course it can't. Mm -hmm. you know change change the structure um but that's becoming more and more out there now yes. but it's it's still it's still um being taught as well yeah so it's, and then people come along and say well but that technique made me feel better yeah yeah and again that's that's a perfectly legitimate absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah wherever it makes you feel better but it's not necessarily making you feel better because of yeah, for the reasons you thought. The reasons it was. That, that's yeah. it, and this is something I see a lot. With there's a thing going around uh, at the moment, with foam rolling. Yeah, and people saying foam rolling doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And again, I sort of I'd answer. Well, what do we mean by work? Yeah, what are we yeah. trying to achieve with it? Yeah, if what you're trying to achieve is lengthening your fascia or breaking down scar tissue, then no, the evidence says that doesn't work. Yeah. But what people, most people are using it for is actually because it makes them feel better, exactly. it reduces soreness, it yeah. might improve, help with the mobility. Yeah. And all of those things, yeah. Yeah, you know, we know that, yes, it can do these things, yeah. but the mechanism yeah. is maybe not what some people... Exactly. Yeah. It's the same with. Um, uh, th th there's some really good, great uh, researchers out there. Um, mm -hmm. Some good speakers on on the this topic. Um, one in particular that um, uh, comes into mind is Diane Jacobs. She mm -hmm. did, um, has written a book called uh, Dermo Neuromodulation. Mm -hmm. So uh, dermo to do with the skin, and then neuro the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the. When a therapist says, oh, I'm, I'm on the infraspinatus muscle in the shoulder or I'm on the quadricep muscle in the thigh, mm -hmm. they're, they're not on that muscle, they're on the skin. That is the, <laughs> o that is the only thing we can touch. Mm -hmm. uh, but the skin is full of sensory nerve endings and mm -hmm. it's that, um, the, the thought now is that it's the, um, that uh, stimulus to those nerve endings that is mm -hmm. creating a, a tissue change, mm -hmm. um, not actually changing the tissue, Tissues. Uh, mm -hmm. which makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely mm. and so using a foam yeah. roller would be the same thing the foam yeah. roller is touching the skin which is affecting the nervous yeah. system mm -hmm. and you're getting that sensory change underneath mm -hmm. that area and um, that that makes sense sure um, and this kind of brings us into this idea of sort of what particular treatments or methods work and I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the internet and people read headlines about this works or this doesn't work you know yeah. and it's often quite a broad area so you know, the other thing about you know foam rolling doesn't work that, that's a that's a typical yeah, example yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Again, do you have any thoughts about how people can make sense of all these different contradictory um, bits of information that they might see? Yeah, and I think um, what, one of the things with, um, with when, when you're putting together a research um, project, you have to limit the variables within that mm -hmm. project um, so that you can um, put the paper together. And uh, the problem is, we, um, as humans, we are full of variables. <laughs> and uh, there are so many mm. factors. I mean, expect, let, let's take, for example, um, uh, pain. So mm -hmm. if, if you're using pain as one of the measures in a research study, mm -hmm. then uh, that is highly, highly subjective. And mm. um, the, I mean, there's arguments about the, the different kind of pain scales that you should use and whether they're valid and reliable. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that people's pain can be affected by so many different factors. Yeah. So I mean, how would we typically measure pain in, in a research study? What, how would you...? So uh, we usually use a visual analogue scale, so the VAS um, mm -hmm. score, so um, a score of 0 to 10. Uh, that's a kind of like easy, standard mm -hmm. way of, mm -hmm. of measuring So I'm basically, we're, we're essentially, it's some variation on saying to people, on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah. how much pain are you in right yeah, now? exactly. So that's yeah. basically yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, um, and I remember we, we had a uh, conversation a little while yeah. ago about um, somebody uh, who said it was a 6 out of 10 yeah. one week, and then when they came back, they said, oh, yeah, it feels much better. It's, it's a 6 out of 10. You said, well, you said that last time. I said, oh, yeah, but it's a less. It's a less of a 6. <laughs> and then, yes. so, you know, it's, it's so subjective that people have this fixed idea of how much that mm -hmm. equates to in their mm -hmm. mind. Um, so it's it's really really difficult yeah. to. It's a question I find that people hate answering. Yeah, yeah. Because they yeah. find it really hard to sort of pin it down because it's pain is actually such a complicated and you know, there's different kinds of pain, different intensities, and then there's not just the intensity but how much it's bothering you. Yeah, so you yeah. have quite a low intensity of pain, but it's really bothering yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. Well, what number's that? Yeah, um, and yeah. that's a, it's a hard question to yeah. answer, isn't it? But, but we um, um, we tend to use now in the in the clinic um, mm -hmm. uh, a functional scale. Mm -hmm. So uh, where we've tried to say um, what are the activities that you would normally be able to yeah. do pain free. Yeah. Um, so for example, it's like walking up the stairs mm -hmm. um, on a scale of zero to ten. Mm -hmm. How easy can you do that task yeah. now? And mm -hmm. uh, so it's very specific to the person. Yeah. Uh, and we're not focusing on pain. Uh, we're focusing on, on their function. function. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, sorry, going back to uh, what we were saying about sort of research and evidence mm -hmm. and how to interpret this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought we were touching on the idea that you, you've got to look at this in the context of the individual with all those variables. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, again, um, just to um, quote someone else, uh, got a chap called Ben Cormack. Um, mm -hmm. he, he does a really good course on, on pain. And, um, and how to explain pain to patients. And uh, uh, I mean, we're still nowhere near figuring out what, what is going on. We've got a better understanding of uh, what may help people. But, um, and, uh, but I think that's the key. There is no golden bullet. You know, there's, yeah. uh, there's not one, one thing that will help that condition. Yeah. It's, um, it's finding the right things for that person um, at that time of their life, because mm -hmm. it may be different in a couple of months' time, even. Mm -hmm. um, the, so the factors that can influence pain could be to do with their home life, their mm -hmm. work life, their as well as their, if they are a sports person, the level of intensity of their sport mm -hmm. that they're playing at that time. Um, if they're gearing up to a, a, an important uh, competition, 
there's going to be a heightened awareness mm -hmm. of their body. So, the um, I mean, a classic example at the moment is Andy Murray mm -hmm. with his hip. Is a, and uh, you know I don't want to um, put uh, I uh, kind of thoughts into because I've no idea what Andy Murray feels, but I would imagine that the fact because he's quite an emotional player. Mm -hmm. Um, he plays with his heart. He, you've seen him cry and get upset mm -hmm. on court. It means a heck of a lot to him to be able mm -hmm. to play at a high level. Um, does his hip hurt more because of that? Potentially, mm -hmm. no. That that could be one of the factors because it's so um, he's so um, passionate about mm -hmm. it and wanting to perform well that maybe his hip is hurting so mm -hmm. so much because it, mm -hmm. of the meaning it has. I think when people are un unable to do the thing the activity that has meaning for them. I, yeah. This is something else that I see in clinic, when people are, are prevented from training by something, yeah. obviously that's going to influence how they experience that and the pain they're getting from it. Yeah. Um, and I've had people say, well look, if I wasn't trying to do martial arts, actually this wouldn't bother me that much. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But because I am, yeah. it's, it becomes a different experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So yes, uh, I mean, I think the the term that gets thrown around a lot in in professional circles is person-centred care. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we like to talk about instead of just looking at the condition. So we're not just treating backs; we're treating a person who happens to have back pain, yeah, yeah, or a yeah. person who happens to have knee pain, or yeah, exactly. Um, and I think again, that's something that for, I mean, for me, that would be one of the things that I would l want to look for yeah. in any therapist. Yeah, definitely. See, yeah. Is somebody who looks at the individual, yeah. not just at the condition. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I think that, I think that's where patients get frustrated. Yeah. Is where they do go in and they do have a bad yeah. knee, and they all they they don't really have a conversation yeah. With, yeah. with that person, and uh, they're just because they don't have time. Yeah. Uh, especially NHS, they just don't have time. And mm -hmm. uh, not saying that there are you know. Um, bad practitioners out there, it's just the environment that they're in is limiting. It makes it very hard. It makes yeah. it really hard for them mm -hmm. and uh, I often feel, um, you know, quite sorry for the, um, uh, the you know, the, the time pressure that yes. they have and the amount of patients they have to see in a day. Um, and that, yeah. but that, that's the beauty of working in the private sector is you, you do have that bit more time with people yes. um, where you can, um, you know, you can give a bit more of a service and, um, and a bit more of a patient. Yeah. And you get to know approach. what the, that patient yeah, and what's definitely. important to them and, and all those other individual factors. And also you can sort of figure out what works for that particular person. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So you're not, you're not just treating a, another case of back yeah, pain. Yeah. It's, like I say, a specific yeah. individual. That, that, I mean, that's um, the classic, isn't it? You go in um, and you do have back pain and you get seen by a clinician. Uh, they rule out anything nasty, um, <laughs> so they do all your clinical testing. And um, and then that you're handed then a sheet of paper with exercises on, mm -hmm. and um, invariably you don't they don't have time to show you them. Mm -hmm. They certainly don't have time then to watch you do them and making mm -hmm. sure that you you're doing them correctly. Um, the intention is really good, but unfortunately the the delivery isn't great. Mm -hmm. So and also there may be. That initial exercise may be too much, yes. and they would never yeah. know yeah. Um, because um, because they haven't had time mm -hmm. to work through it, or it may be way too easy, yeah. and um, and again they wouldn't know. So you you're in this situation where you see you go for an appointment, you're booked in then maybe for two three weeks mm -hmm. time, and you've been doing the exercise on on the sheet, mm -hmm. but you've actually been detraining for yes. three weeks. Yeah. And then you're seeing that person again and you've made no progress because mm -hmm. actually the exercise wasn't pushing you yeah. enough. And, uh, and that, that may be part of the mm -hmm. issue, but just don't have yeah. time to do it. Yeah. I mean, we've touched on exercise 
quite a few times, mm -hmm. and I think um, we're on quite a similar page in in how we, we view exercise. Um, I think we both see that as a really important key to getting people better. Yeah. Um, People don't always associate osteopathy with exercise. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. I, I get this a lot. It's like, well, I thought that was what physios did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, say a bit about a bit about that, because obviously you come from an exercise background yeah, as well. Yeah, um, I, th I think I was quite lucky, really, mm -hmm. um, with uh, with that pathway. Uh, I think if I didn't, I'm not sure what I would do actually. Mm -hmm. If I if I only knew the osteo bit, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure I would have a bit just because of my own interest in exercising, I think mm -hmm. I would have gone down that route anyway. But mm -hmm. having the background in it, I think, has really helped me. And um, I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, were, we were asked in one of our um, assessments during the osteopathy course to, um, to deliver exercises as part of the um, mm -hmm. assessment process. And um, we, I remember um, maybe one, one day of exercises mm -hmm. and uh, being taught or on the mm -hmm. course. So for me, because I was from that background, it wasn't an issue because I, I could progress or regress an exercise. Yeah. No problem at all. I knew all the different types of mm -hmm. contraction and different planes of movement. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was easy. Um, but if you'd never done that before yeah. and that was your first ever course to do with the human body mm -hmm. and then you've got to prescribe yeah. exercise, it's not just even giving the exercise, it's coaching as well. Yes, and, yeah, um, absolutely. You, know, um, you, you recognise when you know, if someone can't do a certain movement, then you go, right, okay, let's think about that. How can we change it? And on the spot, yeah. you can yeah. change how it. Can, how can we adjust this to make that the right exercise for you? Yeah, exactly. Rather yeah. than just picking something off a sheet. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's, I mean, that's one of the key skills I see. And um, again, I see there, there are professionals who are very good at this, whether yeah. they're osteopaths or physios or whatever. And there are professionals in all those professions who are not very good at that. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's um, that's one of the, the key things for me is do they really understand exercise? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And as you say, being able to say, well, here, this is where you are. Yeah. This is where you want to be. Here's how we get from one to the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how we can sort of advance or regress those exercises to get them so that they're at the right level for that person at the time. Exactly. Because again, yeah. another complaint that I get from people is, oh, well, I was given all these wussy physio exercises yeah, and they're yeah. not really doing anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like you say, it's because they're not being prescribed exercises that are at the right level exactly. for yeah. where they are. Yeah. And I mean, when I do exercises with a patient, I might try 10 different exercises see how they get on with them and then I'll decide on the, the two or three that they're going to go away yep, with yeah um, and uh, it's I explain it, it's like trying on different pairs of shoes yeah you know sometimes you need to try on a few before we find the right one that's going yeah, to suit definitely. you definitely yeah um, well, we, we know as well from the from the evidence um, from the literature mm -hmm. that, that again like there is no golden bullet with therapy, yeah. there isn't for exercise yes. either. So yeah. as long as you are um, doing something, mm -hmm. then that is better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like Adam Meekin says, some yeah. is better than none. none. Yes. So uh, yeah, as long as you know, we're getting them to do something. And, and I think with pain as well, that uh, it dials down yeah. that, that pain mm -hmm. then. And um, because they become less sensitive mm -hmm. because they're less worried. Yes. And um, that anxiety is reduced yes. because they're mm -hmm. able to do mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. and then we can build on that yeah. so that they then reduce their symptoms and then mm -hmm. start to move yeah. uh, in the way that they used to. I think this is almost contrary to the impression some people have about pain because when you see, or I don't know if you do, but I read Facebook discussions where somebody goes, 
my knee hurts, what should I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll get, you know, a dozen bits of advice from people. Yeah. Um, and one of the common factors seems to be, oh, you should rest it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. That, that's, that's some people's yeah. immediate answer. And unfortunately, this is also true of still some doctors. Yeah, um, yeah. So if it hurts, oh, you should stop doing that, take some time off. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, it, let it get better. And, of course, there's a time and a place for rest. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. as with any intervention, if it's over-prescribed or it's wrongly prescribed... Yeah, definitely, yeah. ...then it can be... Well, even now with um, uh, the first aid, mm -hmm. uh, for example, the, uh, mm -hmm. if you had a sprained ankle, then you would rice it, so you'd rest it, ice it, compress and elevate. Mm -hmm. So that first big one was yeah. rest. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And now what they're... Um, uh, this is from a chap called um, Chris Bleakley. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think it was back in 2012. He, he was saying maybe we should change it to police. So we protect it, mm -hmm. but then we optimally load it rather yeah. than right, rather than resting it, and mm -hmm. um, and then we ice compress elevate, um, maybe for the first twenty four mm -hmm. hours, but then after that we want to get them moving as as soon mm -hmm. as possible. So um, the optimal loading bit is really mm -hmm. interesting because when I teach courses, yeah. people say, "Well, what's optimal loading?" And mm -hmm. they want a yes. a menu, yeah. <laughs> you know, a list yeah. of exercises. And it's like, well, there isn't one. Yeah. It, it depends on the person yeah. and it depends on what, what like you said, where, yeah. where are they now, where do they want to go, what, what's their exercise history, what have yeah. they done in the past. Um, and, and from all of that information, you work out the best exercises. Yeah. It's, it's not a recipe, again. Mm. It's trial and error, yeah. giving things a go. I think it's, uh, it's part of our job, or a big part of our job, is trying to help people navigate that. I always say if the human body had a, an intuitive user interface, mm. then uh, we'd have less to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's not, it doesn't feel obvious. Yeah. Or the, the best thing to do doesn't, isn't what it feels like you ought to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember I, I prescribe a lot of isometrics for yeah. rotator cuff yeah. problems. Even quite early stage mm -hmm. um, shoulder problems. And I'll get people... Um, just doing a basic exercise um, and a lot of the time say that's really weird that feels better yeah yeah because they, that's not what they expect yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah and again you can, when you show people that yes you it is okay to load it we can do this yeah, yeah. Um, and as you say optimal loading I mean I talk about the Goldilocks zone a lot yeah, yeah, with yeah. people in sort of not too much not too little yeah yeah um, and again my general rule of thumb is look for the edge of that discomfort Perfect. hang out you know you want to be able to feel it yeah yeah but it shouldn't be really painful yeah and that's yeah. usually my rule of thumb for most things and i think that's um, really good as well because then you hand over the responsibility mm -hmm. of that exercise to the yeah. patient yeah because they they then become becoming control of it um because mm -hmm. they can push it a little bit and if it was a bit too much then they just back it off that's again right. and this is what i always explain it's like well i can't remotely manage yeah how things are going. I, I can't tell you exactly how many reps on exactly what weight yeah, yeah. is right for you at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what I can do is I can teach you to figure that out based yeah. on the feedback that you're getting. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. And that way we get much faster results than, yeah. you know, if you have to then come back and report back to me and I have to adjust the programme. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing is as well, recovery is not linear. 
Yes. You know, um, and pain isn't linear, linear as well. Yeah. So it's not just going to improve all of a sudden incrementally yeah. day after day. Yeah. You're going to get ups and downs yeah. because it's so multifactorial. There's loads of other things going on in your life. Yeah. If you've which can had a bad night's sleep, exactly. that's going to yeah. affect you know, any of those things. I mean, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a, great, um, a great thing to look into. There's a, there's a brilliant book. I can't remember the name of the author, but it's Why We Sleep. Yes. Oh, it's, it's a brilliant book. I've got that book. sitting on my bedside yeah. table. Because <laughs> yeah. no, so um, uh, I, I had an illness last, last year, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I, I'm sure it was to do with um, like working too hard, doing too many hours, and then not sleeping enough. And the fact that um, the, the effects that sleep has on the immune system yeah. and pain is just unbelievable. Mm. Yes. Um, and well-researched as well. Yeah. So uh, that I get, well, after reading that book, I include that now as a question on our form. Mm. It's like, how many hours sleep do you get yeah. a night? Um, because if that's really low, or they complain about being insomniac or, or whatever, then we've got a bit of an issue there. That that's not really it's out of my remit um, to be yeah. able to deal with something like that. Mm -hmm. But then we link up with a cognitive behaviour therapist that can help mm -hmm. out with those kind of things too. And and that's the, again it's that person centred approach. Yes. Yeah, and um, looking at all those different factors. Yeah. And I think ha having someone who put those pieces of the puzzle together, yeah. um, because a lot of the time people will say, well, I didn't realise that was related. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Or they'll yeah. have a few different things going on, but they yeah. might not mention yeah. something because they didn't think it was... You know, related to this other thing that they're yeah, getting. Exactly. Um, and the the thing you talked about as well about um, isometric loading mm -hmm. the rotator cuff. Yes. Um, I love isometric loading mm -hmm. early early stage mm -hmm. um, because most people just want to stretch things. Yes. And um, I'm like, actually, if you if you don't stretch so much, just load it a little bit using isometrics, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and uh, that I found to be far more beneficial mm -hmm. than trying to stretch the heck out of things. And it'll often give that same kind of relief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets. And it, well, yeah. this is it. I mean, we think about we're mm -hmm. actually um, we're changing the nervous system again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So by providing that stimulus to that area, mm -hmm. we we do get that that relief. So yeah, yeah. De definitely. Um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely a big fan of exercise. I think, it, and again, this is sort of comes back to our checklist of things to look for in a therapist. Is yeah. I think certainly if you're an active person, yeah, you need an active. Yeah, yeah, and that applies to most people, yeah. you know, across the board. But particularly from our combat sports listeners, mm -hmm. I think um, if you want to get back to the point where you can do your sport, do what you want to be able to do, yeah, yeah, then some kind of active intervention is is really important. Yeah, and I think um, um, with. Uh, Something to look out for again is mm -hmm. uh, so someone who knows the sport. So if um, uh, but if they don't know it, then they've researched it. Mm -hmm. And um, like for example, I've I've treated a few tennis players, squash players, but then I had racquetball, mm -hmm. and uh, I had no idea what racquetball was. I knew it was kind of similar to squash. Mm -hmm. So I I just got YouTube up and had a look mm -hmm. and uh, and saw what saw what it was about. So then when that patient came in, they could tell that I'd done my research mm -hmm. on it. Um, but also if you experience symptoms in a certain position in yeah. your sport mm -hmm. um, then if they're doing just the bog standard assessments yeah. but not assessing that position mm -hmm. um, and that's really important as well because they need to be able to see you in the place where you get your symptoms so if we can recreate that in the clinic room um, so that then that person that practitioner will then get an understanding of the structures that are being loaded whilst you're in that position um, yeah. I think that's really key uh, so it's not just a bog standard assessment, it's actually quite specific uh, to when you get it, where you get it, what position you get it in. I think that's really key. Yes. And I, I mean, I've, I've been talking a lot recently about necks and combat 
combat sports. Yeah. And for some of the the guys I see who wrestle, their neck's absolutely fine until they're going to go and collide with somebody. Yeah. And then yeah. they have a problem. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's one of those things. Well, if you're just doing the basic assessment, you know, just looking at neck movement, well, it looks fine. Yeah, yeah, What's exactly. What's the problem? Yeah. And I think that's where people can get very frustrated with a traditional approach to therapy if you don't if you're not looking at those increased demands and how do we prepare the body for those increased demands yeah yeah, yeah. and again this is where i think rehabilitation and um strength training and even the more sports specific training yeah all sort of there's that crossover yeah, area yeah, in between definitely. them and i think that's where people can sometimes fall down the gap yeah in between because yeah. you do the basic rehab and then put the pe person back in their sporting environment yeah yeah and all of a sudden, they're not quite prepared for that level of intensity, and that's where things yeah, can go wrong. And I think the the one uh, one of many, mm. obviously, good thing with osteopathy mm -hmm. is the fact that we do. Um, it is on the course; it's very high, heavily biomechanical focused. Um, but then there's a lot of um, uh, the the kind of explain pain stuff. Now, the pain science stuff was 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 there in my course, but the literature wasn't there to support the ideas of it and now mm. the literature is, is becoming there yeah. um, but what i really like about osteopathy is is that global view of how the body moves um, and i think that's coming more now into the other professions too i, I went to um, a seminar with um, it was a shoulder surgeon from the states called ben kibler and uh, he's written a load of papers on uh, on shoulder um, injuries and surgery and he said um, that what he gets his physical therapist to do in his clinic is if they've got a right shoulder problem, he'll have a look at them doing a, a single leg squat on the left leg um, because of the um, the way that the body works as a system. Right, and yes. uh, he says, if you've got an issue with that left leg, because that's where your power comes from, it doesn't come from the arm if you're punching yeah. something, um, it comes from the ground. Yes. And if you've got an issue with that kinetic chain up to that yeah. right arm, then um, the, the right arm is going to be screaming, you're going to have a problem with the shoulder, yeah. but actually the issue may be coming from the knee, yeah. for example. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that may be not something I, I would look at um, on the first session, um, because if I'm messing around with someone's knee when it's their shoulder that hurts and they think I'm a, a crazy osteopath again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it would yeah. be something that once we start to calm things down, then we start to look at the root cause of the, of the issue and we'll look yes. a little bit further afield. Particularly if you've got something that keeps coming back. Yes. Yeah. Well, why does this keep coming exactly. back? Exactly, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. then, I mean, this is something that uh, we talk about quite a lot because, again, the, there's some common links between uh, the, the mid-back area uh -huh. and the shoulder. You know, if we're not getting rotation in the mid-back then yeah. that can and uh, as you say this is now becoming much more mainstream yeah this is much less of uh, less of a fringe view and, and yeah, the research yeah. is starting to support this idea that um if, if one thing isn't working in, in one place isn't working optimally yeah. that's going to place increased load on other areas yeah, yeah. Um, and i think that's when biomechanics does matter um, yes but when you're performing at a fairly high level mm -hmm. if you um do um if you don't do that much sport or you just keep yourself fairly active it may never be an issue but when you're trying to perform at a very high level um, and, you're, and the amount of load you're trying to put through your body, that then can become a, a problem. So yes. um, I think that's when biomechanics definitely does. Yeah, and I think that there are certainly cases where you'll look at something and you'll go, yeah, that, that's clearly a, a relevant factor. That's the elephant in the room there. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so it's it's sort of being able to make that judgment call of you know when is this more of a biomechanical issue yeah when are other factors more important you know how do how do all of those different yeah. elements that might be involved stack up yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah. i think being able to um, uh, look at those and make that individual judgment that's where the professional comes in yeah, i think definitely. and yeah. that's where it's important to have experience with that particular sport or at least a, a related sport yeah definitely um, so that yeah, you can yeah. you can look at how that how that all fits together yeah um so yeah and i think um also for me when i'm looking at therapists and trying to decide who would be a good person to treat something mm -hmm. it's um one of the main things I look for is somebody who will admit when they don't know something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they they may have they they <coughs> obviously they know the the evidence base mm -hmm. and you know the, the the principles. Yeah, but they don't immediately jump to a conclusion about how that applies to that individual. Yeah. They'll sort of say, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and things and have a keep an open mind. Um, and I think that comes with experience, you know. Yes. I think, um, for, for example, uh, Achilles tendinopathy mm -hmm. is a classic one because um, it was the Alfredson protocol. Yes. Um, you know, a good sort of 10 years ago, um, everybody was doing eccentrics. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were like, this is the panacea for mm -hmm. Achilles problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, then it was heavy slow resistance and it was heavy isometrics. And actually we found that... Um, all of them are good for different people, which yes. makes sense yeah. again because everyone's yeah, yeah. different. So uh, what we do mm -hmm. in the in the clinic is, uh, if we've got an Achilles issue, we'll do all three approaches and mm -hmm. uh, and see which one they respond best to. Mm -hmm. And uh, once we find the best response, then we carry on down yeah. that pathway. Yeah. Um, but that that's only from yeah. experience, yeah. you know. If you read the papers sort of 10, 12 years mm -hmm. ago, you would be eccentric, eccentric, yeah. yeah. Um, which would be great because it's using and the evidence base, yeah. but it's. Um, I think the problem with um, with that approach is those papers take four or five years to come to publication. Okay. So that that stuff that came out, I don't know, whenever it was, maybe 2008, is yeah. already from 2003. So, uh, we're, we're, yeah. you know, things have moved on. And we're at the coalface of that. Yes. You know, and we're, uh, we, I, I prefer um, evidence-led. Yeah. rather than evidence-based mm -hmm. um, because we we understand the literature we read it um, we interpret it and we uh, implement it mm -hmm. and then um, based on what we see with our patients we then change it because you have yeah. to you can't just keep on banging down one door because this yeah. paper said so yeah I mean, you, when we look at a piece of evidence that might tell you what works best on average across the population exactly, as a whole exactly but that may not be representative of the person in front of you yeah so again you've got to be able to you can't just say to that person oh well i'm sorry you're not average yeah, yeah. my treatment's not going to work yeah, yeah uh, you've got to yeah. be able to look at that and say well okay you're not responding to this where do we go from here yeah what else can we can we try yeah um and having that sort of library of different approaches that you can you can apply definitely um, yeah i think that sort of that's an important factor you know not not being too rigid about you know this is the best approach for this problem yeah yeah um, yeah definitely yeah you've got i think that yeah maybe that's another one about being open minded mm -hmm. um and uh, yeah not not closing off to things mm -hmm. never say never uh and e even if um you had something that you were trained in that as 
less uh, evidence now um, may change again in the future. You, mm -hmm. you never know. I mean, um, well, one of my colleagues was on a course the other day with... Uh, um, with Benoit Matthews um, mm -hmm. and uh, he does a lot of shockwave stuff um, and he said that he used to do a lot of injections and um, and now we know what happens to tendons when they're injected a lot mm -hmm. so um, he doesn't do any now and mm -hmm. and, that, and that's a good that's a good practitioner yeah. you know you, you use the evidence at the time things change so you change your practice and uh, I think um, when we were talking about CPD before that that's one of the important points with um, practitioners making sure that they're they're um, renewing their CPD um, and also in in different areas because I think you you can get caught up in doing the things you like yes and uh, absolutely. And, and it becomes a bit of an echo chamber so yeah. you're with people on the course that like doing what you like mm -hmm. doing and the instructor likes doing what you like doing mm -hmm. and everybody's happy yeah. and you never challenge yourself and I think you need to um, yeah. you need to challenge yourself and mm -hmm. um, step outside of your comfort zone in terms of um, so if you are an osteopath that doesn't have any exercise background get on an exercise course mm -hmm. You know, and do it, and uh, uh, and challenge yourself to be able to, uh, to to use those skills. Yeah, I think that that's really important. I think um, again, not getting too attached to any one particular approach. Mm -hmm. I yeah, think that's. I mean, I mean, I've I've changed my mind on a number of things since I've been practicing, yeah. as yeah. as have we all. Yeah. Um, I think if you do home in on better ways of doing things, and you know, you find better approaches. Yeah, um, I think that's that's what this is all about: is being able to, of, uh, rather than sort of being stuck in, you know, a particular set of dogma. Yeah, um, yeah. Having that open mind, and again, staying up to date with with what the evidence does say. Yeah, and, uh, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I think um, I think that's really important about dogma as well because it. Some courses that uh, teach you certain techniques, they become um, very much like a cult. And, um, mm -hmm. and if you challenge the beliefs of that um, kind of system, then mm -hmm. uh, there's a rebellion against yep. you. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, if, you, if you're a good practitioner, you should listen to what that person's saying and, um, and take it on board and, and do some research and have a look at what they're saying rather than just dismissing it out, out of hand. Because uh, I'll, I'll do the same for... for uh, I won't comment on a course if I haven't been on it. Yeah, you know, because I don't know their material. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know the way it's taught. I don't know the reasons behind the way, the way it's taught. So, um, and I will challenge myself by going on their course, even if I think, you know, I don't think that I'm going to enjoy this one. Um, but mm -hmm. I'll give it a go and uh, and with an open mind and just soak up the information and then make a decision at the end. I think mm -hmm. um, it's really important to do that. I think um, in the therapy world and the fitness world as well, you you find people who do follow down a certain path. Um, and uh, and they get you get a bit stuck in, yeah. in that. I think particularly, perhaps this is um, illustrative of the social media. Yeah, yeah. Is seen these days when people tend to be very focused on sort of one particular idea, and it becomes all about. I mean, I, I remember when it was it was all about kettlebells. Or yeah, it was all yeah, about yeah. Olympic lifting. Yeah, and yeah. this is the one thing that you need. And. Yeah. Um, you know, the one weird trick to yeah, 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 <laughs> cure back yeah. pain or whatever it is. Yeah. And it, it, ne it never is one thing because no. reality is complicated. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's, it, it's a really good way of selling books or courses yeah, or programs. I was just going to say, it's great um, marketing, yeah, yeah. It's great marketing. <laughs> um, 
but it's not what you want in a therapist. You, yeah. you, you want yeah. somebody who can look at this from lots of different angles. Yeah, definitely. And appreciate that. So I, th I think yeah. that's, in a nutshell, that's yeah. where we're going with this. Um, great. Well, it's been, it's been great talking to you about all this. Um, do you have any sort of final points to, to sum up? Anything you'd... Um, I think, um, yeah, I think for, for, for patients listening, fighters listening, is, is do your research on, mm -hmm. the, on the people that, you, that you're seeing mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, get, see if you can get some testimony from other people that have been treated by, by them so that um, you, you can understand what, what they do. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, have, have a chat with them on the phone beforehand to mm -hmm. make sure that they're the mm -hmm. right person for you. Yeah. I think that's really key. Absolutely, and I think yeah, personal recommendation is mm. always always yeah. a great way to go. Um, that's uh, that's important. Um, and yeah, as I always say, you know, don't be afraid to ask people questions because any good therapist, somebody you want to be treated by, will be very happy to answer those questions and yeah. to explain what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And if it, somebody gets defensive when they start when you start questioning what they're doing, yeah. That's possibly an indication they're not the right person. And ask them if they do a yeah. postural assessment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You make your decision Excellent. from that. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. Um, Great, I really appreciate you. you coming in to, to talk to us. And uh, I'll uh, hope to uh, be in touch with you soon. Great. Thanks, Rosie. So, there you have it. Hopefully you found that as interesting to listen to as we did to produce. This is only episode two, so if you've got any suggestions, comments, or feedback on what we can do differently or better, do please let us know. You can comment on our SoundCloud page through the usual social media channels. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Combat Sports Clinic. Or you can create a profile at our website, www.combatsportsclinic.net, and join in the discussion there. Speaking of the website, if you're a martial artist or combat sports athlete, you should check out our free video library we're updating this all the time with new content about what to do to keep yourself fighting fit as well as advice on managing those trivial and not so trivial injuries that we all pick up from time to time thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next podcast Experience.